everyone. You're listening to Peculiar Stories and Far Out Tales. I'm Anna Howington. And I am Kimmy Ellen, and we are just going to jump on in. All right. This week, I'm going to start with some cursed objects <gasps> and the death of James Dean and Little Bastard. Wow. I don't know anything about this. I did know that he died in a car accident, but I didn't know hmm. all this other crazy stuff. So I guess he was only in three movies. He was just in East of Eden. Wow. Which is um, my favorite book ever. Like, I would never picture James. Dean in the the character that he played. Wait, he was only in three movies and we think of him as like this big, big movie star. Right, right. Yeah, no, he was only in in three movies and he died at 24. What? I feel like it's like, not to get off subject a whole bunch, but he's like Buddy Holly. Like I, I love, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I have a Buddy Holly tattoo, and I'm, I'm a big Buddy Holly fan. But it's the same thing. Like Buddy Holly died at 22, I think, and had this fairly impressive catalog. But he really wasn't around for very long. Like mm. these people make these these little marks, and you just you can't help but think like what they would be if fate didn't deal them the way that they did. But he only made so he was in East of Eden. And then he was in Rebel Without a Cause, which I feel like is the one that everybody knows him from. Yeah. And then Giant, which was a Western. So um, uh, right when he finished filming Giant, James Dean, I guess, was a bit of a racer. He had a whole bunch of different cars. Mm. Um, He suddenly traded in. He had a um, Speedster. And he traded that in for a much faster and more powerful 1955 Porsche 550 Spider. Yeah, I don't know anything about cars. I don't know. So this is going to be lost on me. Yeah, right. So his last car that he got was this 550, the Spider 550. Um, And right when he bought it, he entered a road race in uh, Salinas, California, which is kind of central, northern central California. Um, that was scheduled for October 1st. And right away, he decided to get uh, a customizer to paint Little Bastard on it. (laughs) Um, So Little Bastard was supposedly a nickname that was given to him. Um, There's two different stories. One of them was that when he was filming East of Eden, he wouldn't come out of his trailer. And so the president of Warner Brothers was like, stop being a little bastard. And then um, another one was that he just had a friend and Dean was a little bastard and this friend was a big bastard. So that's what he wanted to paint on his car. He started the trip up from L.A. to Salinas. So he started on September 30th. He was with uh, a couple different people. He was with a Porsche mechanic uh, named Rolf Woodlich, I think is how you say it. Um, And then he also had a apparently he always had a photographer with him. So he had this photographer with him. There's a pretty like clear timeline about where he stopped and when he stopped. And there's kind of some really famous pictures that are like the last pictures that James Dean was ever in. um, He was given a speeding ticket, says on Wheeler Ridge, oh, near Bakersfield. Um, It says that he was driving 65 miles per hour in a 55. So I'm sorry, they gave him a ticket for going 10 miles over the speed limit? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, he was going he was going 65 and a 55 ah. and he got a ticket for it. Yeah, I guess. But somebody pointed out I was watching a YouTube video about this. Somebody pointed out that was his last like autograph that he ever gave oh. when he signed the ticket. Like they like had a picture of the ticket. And I thought that was kind of. Wait, so you used to have to sign sign tickets? I you still have to sign tickets. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you have to, but that you can. They always say, I don't know, I get pulled over a lot after meeting. What? I've, I've never had any. Well, I guess I've only been. You've never been pulled over? No, no, I've been pulled over. I've <laughs> oh, been pulled okay. over. No, I don't think I've ever gotten a speeding ticket, though. I've been pulled over and I've been given a very stern warning. Um, but I've never, <laughs> I've never gotten an actual ticket. Really? <laughs> I get pulled over all the time, but I, do, I don't get a lot of tickets. I feel like I feel like if I talk about it too much, then I'm going to suddenly get a bunch of tickets. So I know next week you're going to be like, God damn it. But anyway, he so yeah, so he got a ticket for going 10 miles over. 
um, and signed his last his last autograph on the ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was right outside of Bakersfield. And then they decided to go around Bakersfield to this intersection, the intersection of Route 466 and Route 41. At that intersection at approximately 5.45 p.m., um, a black and white uh, 1954 Tudor, whatever that is, I think it's a truck, hmm. uh, was driven was driven by this student at Cal Poly, a 23-year-old U.S. Ar- Army veteran and Cal Poly student with the fun name of Donald, I think it's Turnup Speed. Wait, that's his real name? Yes. I should not, my last name's Yellen. I should not be making fun of people. I feel like maybe that gives me, like now I'm allowed to do it. I'm allowed to make fun of people. Yeah, totally. Um, but anyway, he was driving this Ford um, and he was turning, kind of making this merge from from one route to another route and just ended up on the wrong kind of on the wrong side of the road. And James Dean was coming down the road with the mechanic and hit him uh, almost head on. Oh. Uh, the collision was witnessed, witnessed by several passerbys. Um, a nurse with experience attended to Dean and said that she did detect a weak pulse, but his death appeared to be imminent. So he was he had according to her, he had survived this wreck. The Porsche mechanic that was in, he was kind of alive, kind of going in and out of consciousness. And then the driver of the driver of the 1950s Ford, all he got was like, they said his teeth got knocked out. That was it. The car was a lot heavier and a lot kind of more sturdier build than the Porsche. So it definitely got the, the Porsche got the worst end of it. So Mm. Um, Dean had to be extricated from the spider's mangled cockpit. Um, his left foot had been crushed between the clutch and the brake pedal. So that was pretty much the only reason that he hadn't totally gotten thrown from the car was that his foot got crushed between the pedal. He was put in an ambulance with the barely conscious, uh, Porsche driver, Woodrick. Um, and then he was pronounced dead at the hospital that they drove to that was 28 miles away. So he was pronounced dead at 6.20 PM. His death on his... Uh, death certificate was listed as broken neck, multiple fractures of upper and lower jaw, both right and left arms broken and internal injuries was the cause of death. I don't think his arms being broken was the cause right. of his death. I, I don't know why they decided but... that, that that was that was the reason. But anyway, I guess I guess they thought that it was important. But my sister wanted to point out that she read somewhere that and actually in this article, too, it says that. According to one's finding, he might have only been going around 55 miles an hour. Mm. So we can't really blame speed, I guess. I um, think, it's not really known. I think people just hear the story about it being a Porsche and they're just like, right. oh, he must have been going. It just makes it, it's like it almost romanticizes the story a little bit more. Yeah, so. sensationalizes everything that, that he was driving. Driving too, you know, this young, hot kid driving way too fast in this, Super expensive car. Yeah. Uh, Woolrich, who was the Porsche mechanic, did survive the accident. He had a broken jaw, serious hip and femur injuries and required immediate surgery. Uh, Turnip seed uh, with facial bruises and a bloodied nose. Um, After being interviewed by CHP, he hitchhiked back home in the dark. So he was apparently fine. I read somewhere, though, that he he kind of like he gave one interview after this accident, but it kind of haunted him for the rest of his life. Like, oh, I can't even imagine. I mean, it just must be terrible. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's kind of the facts. Like, that's kind of what happened. Um, Then we kind of start to get into the curse of Little Bastard and Alec Guinness, who was who was Obi-Wan Kenobi in um, the Star Wars movie. Hmm. Um, saw the car. I guess they didn't know each other. He just kind of saw 
him driving this car. And he went up to Dean and he said that he later said, like in later interviews, he thought that the car appeared sinister. And he told Dean, quote, if you get in this car, you will be found dead in it by the this time next week. And that encounter took place on September 23rd, 1955, seven days before Dean's death. In one of the um, the documentaries that I was watching, they were interviewing Alec Guinness and he was like, yeah, there was just something about the car. Like he seemed very convinced, you know, I, I, I don't know how much you want to get into kind of like supernatural stuff like that. No, I, 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 I buy it all. <laughs> he, he just kind of sensed something was not right about this car and whether it was kind of paternal that like this young kid getting this fast car and he just wanted to be like, dude, slow down. Like you, you need to take a break isn't really known, but it, it is, it's totally confirmed that Alec Giddens said this to him and that he was, he was dead within a week. Um, James Dean also did a PSA um, while he was filming giant. So um, I, I think it was maybe a couple months before the accident um, where this guy was interviewing him about, racing on the highway that like you shouldn't be highway racing and the PSA is re it's kind of creepy to watch like James Dean I don't know there's like this kind of affect about him that's that I find very strange like I he seems so like cavalier about it all and he's like yeah don't drive fast on the highways like I used to do that but don't do that anymore but he's always he's like the whole time he's kind of just like I don't know. He seems very young to me. Like he's kind of just messing with whatever's in his hand and he's smoking. Well, and... he is. He's a baby. He's 24. Right. I mean, it's just you're barely a person. By right. What do they say about like your brain isn't even fully formed until you're 25? And I think it might even be later for guys. Right. I, I do think it's later for guys. But yeah, so he he's just kind of like fumbling with stuff. And the guy that's interviewing him is like, you know, tell the kids not, you know, in that 1950s mm -hmm. boy, tell the kids not to drive fast. And James Dean is like, yeah, kids, don't don't drive fast. And then at the very end, apparently he was supposed to say, don't don't drive fast on the highways because the life you might be saving is yours. But he ad libbed the line and said the life you might be saving is mine. Wow. Super creepy, like super creepy. And you can like, like all I, all you have to do is YouTube James Dean PSA and it'll come up. I'm looking it up. Yeah. It's like this two minute little video of this guy getting interviewed and he's, he's on the set of giants. So he's kind of like dressed like a cowboy. I always wonder about things like that though, that like, I don't know if they're like self-fulfilling, you know, when you kind of like reverse engineer something like that, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you're like, oh, this makes so much sense. Like after it ends. I don't know, but it, it is it is odd. So all of that stuff happened before the accident. So after the accident, the car was a total loss. The insurance company uh, paid out his dad. Um, and then it was bought by a man named George Burris, who was the customizer who had originally written Little Little Bastard on it. Um, so he bought it, decided that he wanted this totally wrecked car. Um, supposedly, when they were loading it onto the trailer, the car slipped off and broke a mechanic's leg. So that was kind of the first the first in a line of unfortunate events with this car. Um, and then the car was kind of stripped down and kind of all the parts that were still usable were sold off. And um, part of the car, it says, the again, I know nothing about cars. So the engine apparently went to this doctor named uh, William Erzrich. And then and then the drivetrain, which I don't really know what that is something in the car some I think it's something with the um like the transmit transmission maybe I don't know I don't have no <laughs> idea <laughs> some part of the car 
uh, was given to another doctor named Troy McHenry. So these two doctors um, had kind of parts of his car. They both happened to be um, at the same racetrack. They knew each other um, and they were both using parts of the car. And McHenry, who was the one that had the drivetrain, um, he lost control and hit a tree and was killed instantly. Um, and then Erzrich also got in a serious car accident um, when his car suddenly locked up and rolled over on a turn. But he mm. he didn't suffer terrible injuries. That was the last time that he ever raced. Mm. Troy McHenry, Dr. Troy McHenry, is the only confirmed death linked to Little Bastard. There were also two tires that were on the car that were used. And so they were sold by Burris, who again was the, the customizer that owned the car. Um, and they blew out uh, simultaneously, causing the new owners of the car to run off the road. And then there was also wait. Uh, so they how do both tires blow out at the same time? I think I no. I think they were given to like two different people. Oh no, it does say simultaneously. That is super creepy. But I, I mean, I mean, I would think that that wouldn't be totally. I one time, um, I had a tire that was like losing air, and I was like, oh, I'll just wake up early in the morning, like before work, and I'll go put air in it. And then I woke up in the morning and two tires were flat and from two different things. Oh, that's a bad morning. <laughs> it was. And I had a big meeting at work. Of course. Yeah, they said they were two different things. One was uh, they just happened to happen at the same time, hmm. I guess. OK, maybe it's not impossible. <laughs> well, it's not impossible, but I mean, it, it is kind of strange. Like I said, when I first read that, I had assumed that it went to two different people. But it, yeah, it says blew out simultaneously, causing the new owner's car to run off the road. Hmm. Yeah, that's super creepy. So then the car was in a garage and some thieves broke in and they tried to steal the steering wheel. But as one of them was pulling out his arm from the car to try to take the steering wheel, he cut his arm and was severely injured, um, which I feel like is kind of their fault. Like, I'm really sorry you got hurt trying to steal something. Yeah. Burglar. Yeah. But but whatever. It's still kind of connected to uh, to the story of this this car. Um, and then kind of as the last thing, there was a fire. Um, so it was it was held in um, kind of a warehouse, I guess. Um, and there was a fire at the warehouse that purportedly damaged a bunch of cars around Little Bastard, but it did not damage Little Bastard at all. Ooh, Little Bastard just was standing without a scratch. Wow. Right. So um, and then the the final kind of, I don't know, nail in the coffin. I don't know if that's the right thing to say. So um, the California Highway Patrol convinced Burris to kind of let them take possession of the car so that they could use it in safety exhibits. At one of the exhibits that was at a local high school, it ended abruptly when the car fell off of its display and broke a nearby student's hip. And then they were transporting it back to Burris um, and it was in a sealed container and when the container got back to Burris, he signed for it because it was still sealed. And then when he opened the container, the car was missing, was gone. <gasps> and it vanished. And it's never been seen since. Mm, it went back to hell. I guess. Yeah. So um, this Lee Raskin, the, the guy that wrote the, the book on James Dean, he kind of figures that Burris wanted one final kind of spectacular story. Um, and so he made up this story about the car going missing. But it was ne it's never been on public display. Um, there was somebody that offered a million dollars to anyone that could prove that they had a piece of Little Bastard and nobody came forward to prove it. So this car has just never been seen since 1963. Wow. It just has never, nobody's ever seen it again. That's crazy. That's kind of all of the stories of James Dean's 
Porsche 550, 550 Spider. 550 Spider. You know, I always thought like if I ever became like crazy wealthy and I was going to buy like a like a really fancy car, I always thought I'd get an older car, like a really nice, like remodeled classic car right rather than like something like new and flashy because i feel like right. people that drive around in like small sports cars that are kind of like super flashy i've always just feel kind of sad for them yeah <laughs> i don't know why they seem douchey instantly they do they like well, there's something very strange about somebody that would spend hundred thousand dollars or two hundred thousand dollars and but then like i think of like well what would you get if you just you know i mean if you if you had the expendable cash to buy something i was like well you know who always looks really cool the people who drive around in classic cars right they seem approachable everybody wants to know Mm -hmm. about them like you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like anyway yeah that's yeah I, i agree like if i if i had a bunch i've always wanted like i don't know like really old not really old like like even like a 1980s like truck, like those really boxy big trucks. Yeah. Cool. So um, I, I had no idea he died so young. It just Yeah, is... he was 24. Oh, baby. So, Poor guy. Yeah, little baby. Oh, yeah. He's so sad. So much potential. He and Marlon Brando were apparently like good friends. So like he would kind of, in theory, he would kind of follow that similar yeah. track. Like he was, although Marlon Brando went a bit crazy towards the end, but- well, I guess when you're dealing with that kind of fame, mm-hmm. it's got to be hard to keep your head on straight. Right. Yes. That's I always figure that I <laughs> my my family would no one in my family would let me get crazy. But oh, yeah. <laughs> They'd pull you right back down to earth. <laughs> yeah. Well, your yours would, too. I can't imagine anyone in your family yeah. being like, oh, yes, let's play into this craziness. Oh, hell no. No, like, I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. No, no. I've given that my best shot. Um, right. I just want to go crazy, mom. I just want to live in my delusions of grandeur. Right. Awesome. Well, thanks for telling me all about that. That was that was really interesting. I'm going to go look up pictures of James Dean after this um, and check out his car and everything. Yeah, the one with like, I feel like that that one with him in the red jacket with the cigarette yeah. is like the like that's like the quintessential i think that's from rebel without a cause thank you for sharing that you're welcome thanks okay so mine is uh about the lost colony of roanoke oh cool so roanoke island is located off the coast of modern day north carolina and it was actually home to the very first group of english colonists in 1584 This was two decades before Jamestown. We always think of Jamestown as being the first colony of America. Right. And it was the first permanent colony of America. But Roanoke was, like I said, almost two decades before that. And it was supposed to be permanent. But as you can probably already guess, uh, (laughs) it didn't end up that way. It didn't work out that way in the end. In 1584, Queen Elizabeth granted Sir Walter Raleigh a royal charter authorizing him to explore, colonize, and rule any, and quote, remote, heathen, and barbarous (laughs) lands, countries, and territories 
not actually possessed of any Christian prince or inhabited by Christian people. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, different to time. live in that, yeah, to live in that day. Um, <laughs> They're not Christians. They don't deserve this land. Just take it from them. Pretty disgusting um, yeah. when you think about it uh, through yeah. the lens of history. Um, in return, uh, she'd get one-fifth of all the gold and silver that might be mined there. So she's going to, like, give him this charter, and then he's supposed to give her back one-fifth of everything that they acquire in the New World. I don't think there's any gold in North Carolina, so I think <laughs> I think they lucked out in that. Well, they're not they're not there anymore anyway. Um, right? Yeah. Well, yes, <laughs> that's true too. I guess no one no one lucked out. Yeah. No no one lucks out in this story. Let me just start no. that off <laughs> right at the get go. Um, so Raleigh he made two attempts to colonize this island. Um, the first one. Uh, was a colony made up of a group of men led by Governor Ralph Lane. His primary purpose was to discover sources of gold and silver in the New World. But the colony failed to do that, and due to a lack of supplies and bad relations with the local natives, they ended up leaving the island. The island was home to the Algonquin-speaking natives who initially welcomed the Englishmen, but things between the natives and the English begin to sour. Most likely it was due to the colony's over-reliance on the natives for food. Soon after things started to go bad, the English assassinated a native chief and impaled his head outside the colony's fort. The, who did the? The English. So they, they killed. The one that was giving them food? Yeah. Great. <laughs> smart. Yeah. Very smart. They they cut off his head and they put it on a stick outside the colony's fort. After huh. that, they got run off the island and right, they yes. were forced to return to England in 18 or sorry, 1585, which was less than a year after they had arrived. So they didn't last very long. No. And as an aside, those first colonists wrote about how when they visited the different tribes, each time they went to visit a tribe, the tribe would just get like deathly ill and there would just be this horrible epidemic that like sweeped through the tribe. It was either influenza or smallpox. They're not really sure um, Hmm. what caused it. I always wonder why it never goes every like every time you hear that story about like the Europeans coming over here and getting everybody sick. Mm-hmm. Like, why doesn't it go the other way around? That's a good question. Were there not just not diseases over here? Like, Well, I think because of the way that people lived in such close quarters in Europe, mm-hmm. this, I'm just, this is just my theory. This, I could be totally wrong here, but I think that because they lived in such close quarters with each other and the sanitation in the cities was really bad, that they all got very sick and kind of developed like an immunity to a lot of these illnesses mm. really young. Yeah. And so then when they came over here and people didn't live in squalor, right. their immune systems weren't as prepared to mm. handle all these like diseases and, and illnesses that had um, kind of permeated the areas of in Europe. That's what I think it is. But I mean, I could be completely wrong. No, I, I think you're I, I just feel like there's got to be more than that. Like I'm sure, yeah. We should ask somebody who works for the CDC. Yes. So despite the desertion of the Lane colony, Raleigh decided to make another attempt. And this second colony was established by a man named John White. And this group was approximately 115 men, women, and children. Um, and they landed there in 1587, which is like 
your first colony got run off, you're like, why don't I send the women and children then? It just, I don't know what they were thinking, but. Maybe they figured they would be, because the first one was just a colony of men, right? So maybe they figured that was what their mistake was. Yeah. They were like, we have too many, too many men. We need them to have a reason to like stay calm. You know what? Like, Isn't that almost always the reason things don't work out? <laughs> yes. Too many men. Too many men. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anyway. Always the problem. You need some women and children mixed in there. Yes. <laughs> Somebody needs to be like, uh, maybe we shouldn't kill the person that's giving us food yeah. and put yeah. his head on a spike. Like, yeah, just an idea. Why don't we just take a breath? <laughs> right. Let's let's take it. Let's go for a walk. <laughs> um, this would be the one that got known as the uh, lost colony of Roanoke. So the second colony that came in. Fun fact, John White's granddaughter, Virginia Dare, would be the first English child to be born in America. Oh. And by the way, I just got to say, I love that name, Virginia Dare. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like a superhero or something. Like, Virginia Dare. I feel like Dare in general, like, that's a pretty... That's a great last name. It is a good last name. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like anything you put in, but Virginia, is, it sounds like a... Yeah, like a superhero. She was she was meant to be. Yeah, or maybe like a vampire. <laughs> That's like the opposite. Well, like like a fictional character of a hero a hero vampire. Yeah, look, I mean not all vampires are bad. You read <laughs> Who's a good vampire? You read Twilight, right? Back <laughs> they were bad. Well, I don't know. You know what? They don't even exist, so I guess it doesn't matter. That's right, yes. Let's discuss vampires as if they were real more. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. Um, Keep going. Vampires are people too. They deserve They are. Yep. But they're not. Right. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. Virginia Dare. Not yes. a vampire. Yeah, but the first English person to be born in America. So props. Good on her. Um, later that year, John White returned to England to restock on supplies. But due to the Spanish Armada's threat to English ships, his voyage um, back to Roanoke was delayed until 1590, almost three years later. Oh, wow. So he was supposed to go to England and come back with more food, but he couldn't leave England once he got there. When he did get back to the settlement, it was in ruins and it was completely deserted. Um, according to White, they spotted fresh footprints on the ground, but they didn't see anyone around. They couldn't find anyone. Ooh. The houses had been completely dismantled and anything that could be carried off had been removed. And none of the colony's boats could be found either along the shoreline. Ugh. You said there were 150 people? 115, Yeah. 115. Oh, it's still That's a lot. A lot of people to just up and Yeah. And the only clue they left behind was the word croaton carved onto a tree. So Wait, I'm sure you'll get to it. <laughs> but I really want to say what is that? I'm not sure if that's croton or croaton. I think it's croaton. I feel like I've heard croatoan. It's croatoan. <laughs> is that not? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think it might be Croatoan. I don't I don't know. It's a it's a tribe. It's a Native American tribe. It's it's Croatoan, isn't it? Oh. Right? Oh, I should know this. Well, is it a tribe? I guess you know that. No, it is a tribe. Yeah, it is a tribe. Sorry, I was gonna get to that. Croatoan, right? Okay. A cro Croatoan. I feel like I've heard it say Croatoan. But... I'm gonna go with Croatoan. And I apologize okay. to the Croatoan people for mispronouncing it earlier. Yeah. 
If if that is your problem, you should not listen to us talk. If you have a problem with mispronouncing things. Well, <laughs> I want to say their name right. Though. Yes. Oh, yeah, of course. We tried. We tried. It sounds like they might have helped us helped out the English. OK. OK. So good. I mean, I'm I'm English. I'm not these English, but. <laughs> Okay. And I apologize. <laughs> yep. On on behalf of all the English. Me, an American, I apologize. Yep. Eh. Very sorry. Um, yep. Because it was awful. Um, so uh, the word Croatoan led many people to believe the settlers were adopted into a nearby Native American tribe known as the Croatoan. Mm. <laughs> um, it was on an island about 50 miles south of Roanoke where they um, where they were living. When returning to England, John White's report had suggested the colonists simply relocated and might yet be found alive. However, it served Walter Raleigh for his purposes to keep the matter in doubt. So long as the settlers could not be proven dead, he could legally maintain his claim. So we don't really know if maybe there was more evidence to the contrary, uh, because it wouldn't have served Raleigh's claim if anyone had um, been massacred there or if they found that everyone had died. White didn't look for them? You said they were 50 miles away? He didn't go there? Apparently he was going to try to, but then like something with the like weather or the water or something and he couldn't make it and he had to turn around and go to England. Go back to England. That was that was the better solution. Apparently, apparently they oh. couldn't they couldn't get to it. Um, wow. So, yeah, I think that they they said that they were going to send him back again later on, but then they ended up not going through with it. Yeah. A later expedition to the Croatoan territory between 1701 and 1709 revealed that many of the natives had claimed to have white ancestors, um, and that just further supported the case that the colonists had been taken in by the natives there. Oh, because they were running out of food, right? Wasn't that why he went back in the first place? Yeah, and they weren't very good at getting food from that land. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't have the skill set to like take care of themselves. So like the first colony, they weren't even there for a year. They were there for less than a year. And during that time, they had to heavily rely on the natives there to help them out. Right. And then, you know, things just, you know, went went south after that. So my guess is they weren't very prepared because it was only a couple years later. Like they didn't right. they didn't like have it all figured out by then. Yeah. I just why would you send those people then? I've never understood like. You know how, like, when you're playing, like, Oregon Trail, you always wanted to be the doctor? Because, like, no one died when you were a doctor because you, like, had a skill set. Yeah. So, like, if you were if you were getting a group of 115 people together to go, like, settle this new world, why wouldn't you send some farmers or, like, some people that knew a little bit about the land? But I And I also think it takes a while to, like, set up. Right. Like, they might have had the information, but, like, maybe they didn't have the time to, like get their agriculture going or, or whatever it is. I, right. I, I'm not sure because it seems like a lot of stories are like that about the it does, colonists. Yeah. Like, they're, like the story is always like, you know, the colonists came over, they needed a lot of help and then they killed them all. You know, it's just, it, it that seems to be the, the running. The theme, the trope. Yeah. You know, they, if they did run out of food and stuff like that, why would they have stayed on that island? And if somebody was offering to help them, it makes sense that they would that they would leave. But the ships were gone, too. So, yeah, they oh. thought that maybe they tried to sail back to England. Oh, so that's the other theory that, um, you know, accounting for the absence of the ships, 
uh, they could have decided to just try to rescue themselves. Um, and if such an effort was made, then the ship could have been lost at sea. And right. the other possible explanation is a Spanish attack. While preparing to compose a 1937 drama about the lost colony, playwright Paul Green noticed that Spanish records from that period contained an abundance of references to Raleigh and his settlements. Green's play ends with the colonists leaving Roanoke Island to evade an approaching Spanish ship, leaving the audience to wonder if the Spanish found them. Oh, And that's not a terrible theory but it's the least likely one spanish forces knew of english plans to establish a new virginia base in 1587 and they were actively searching for it before white's colonists had even arrived so it could be it could be that they found them and that the english just fled huh other people think the colonists moved inland but despite centuries of searching no one knows exactly what happened to the settlers i mean who would have who carved the the croatoan into the tree you know like why, if the Spanish attacked, why would they do that? Or like, if they went back to England, why would they do that? Like, yeah. Or why wouldn't they leave more than that? Like, if they were like, I was just gonna say that. Like, if you've got time to carve into a tree, why don't you like leave a note too? Like, yeah. Or like, time to pack up all of your stuff. Like, you could carve a couple more words. <laughs> there are more trees. Like, carve some more stuff. Like, we went to live with. Right. Right. You know. Yes. Uh, we're this way. Don't it worry. Just, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. It just, it was like they just vanished, you know? Right. Yeah. And they knew that people were going to eventually come back, you know? Like, it was like a, over 100 people. Like, they had right, right. relatives. Like, I mean, you know, they were the only people that were over there at that time. So, like, England knew they were there. They weren't just going to. And this new world was, like, the fact that they had, like, quote, unquote, discovered it was, like, a huge thing. They were planning all these expeditions around that time. So, it just, it doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't have left any evidence of where they went. Yeah. Ugh. That makes it creepier. I know. Yeah. So that's, that's what happened. And that was the very first colony here. And it, yeah, it didn't work out. Didn't work out. <laughs> or maybe it did. Maybe they were just like, you know what? Screw this. We're not going to sit here in our little colony. There's all these other people over here and they're like going to give us food. Yeah. And I kind of like one of those guys in the tribe. So, you know, I'm just going <laughs> to, you know, hang out over here now. You you never know. I mean, people like they, yeah. they can assimilate into new cultures, you know, especially if that's like the best option for them. Right. And I would think that would be successful. Like if if we knew that was what happened, that they like became part of this tribe, I would think that that was a successful settlement. Like, yeah, they didn't die. Like they they continued to populate. It, it's more likely that that happened because the, there were women there. So they right. probably were able to be more diplomatic. I don't know. Yes. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not trying to shit on men. Um but, but history, yeah. <laughs> I mean, history tells us, yes, I don't know. I don't think it's really shitting on men to say, like, I'd, I'd be more likely to take in the, the men, women and children than. Oh, yeah. I mean, even if we're not like saying anything about, you know, the temperament of men. No, totally. I think it's just even that they're kind of less intimidating. And if they're families, they might need more help and kids need more help. And yeah, that's true. That's true. Little baby Virginia Dare. Like, I hope she survived. Yeah. Good old Virginia. I hate those, like, I don't know when there isn't a resolution, like things that are kind of old. I'm like, tell me what happened. Like, I want the answer. Yeah. But I guess we'll never know. 
I, I knew, like, I kind of knew about it, but I, I didn't know all of that. I didn't know the different theories and stuff like that. I guess it. We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. So do we want to do our rundown? Yeah. Let's do it. Do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I had a really nice run today with my dog. Oh, buddy. Yeah. He's, um, he's a, he's a pretty, um, He's a pretty amazing dog and I love him (laughs) and I don't always run with him because I like to run with him off leash and he will take off after deer if he sees one, Mm. which I don't understand why he does that. I mean, he's like a little, he's a tiny cocker spaniel poodle mix. So it's like (laughs) what he's going to do when he catches one. I I have no idea, but he'll just like take off after him. So I have to run with him on a leash and it's not as fun. Right. But he was pretty good today. He, you know, he's faster than me because he runs, um, he runs with my husband a lot. My husband's a lot faster of a runner. So he's kind of pulling me along, which is, which is funny, but it was just, it was nice to spend time with my dog. Good. Good. Um, well my run, I was, this was a, it was, I did a 5k, I guess it was last weekend. Um, and it was a 5k that we do at our, at my work. And it's kind of significant to me because Five years ago, it was my very first 5K ever. Oh, wow. And so it's really cool to like, I don't know, I've been this past kind of year, year and a half, I've been is when I really started getting into running and I've had, you know, a bit of a, a weight loss journey and, you know, all these different things. They they did a post about it at work and they had pictures of me running it from years past and like to see the difference. And then I was looking at my times and I was trying really hard to get under 30. That was like my goal. I didn't make it, but I, I was trying for it. But then I was remembering how when I ran it the first time, I just wanted to run the whole time. And I didn't. I, I didn't run it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I was trying really hard. There was a point, uh, not at this 5K, but another 5K that I've done in years past, I was trying really hard to get under 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really cool to kind of, you know, they always say like, don't, you're not trying to be better than the person next to you. You're trying to be better than you were yesterday. Yeah. And it's cool to look back and go, I am better than I was. Yes. Like it's, it's a, it's a cool feeling to like, kind of feel like you've, you've moved up and you've achieved something. And, Mm -hmm. um, there's a, there's a girl in our area that's like an Olympian, like a marathon Olympian. So I'm never going to, yeah, (laughs) I'm never even going to come close to like (laughs) winning a race or, or getting in my, she's, she's around my age too. So I'm never going to get like, I, I never win anything. Um, but it, but I, I am better than I was. I think that's a win. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a cool kind of like perspective thing to like, look back at, at where you were. Yeah. Five years, like how nervous I was and scared I was to do this mm-hmm. 5k. And like, I, I now, like when I talk to people about run, I, I run a lot of 5ks and I, I, you know, I run 5ks like by myself. And so to like talk to people that are so nervous about it. And I'm like, you, like you run, you walk a 5k, like walking around the mall. Like it's really not that long. Mm -hmm. And then there was one girl that I was talking to that was like, do you have to run the whole time? And I was like, no, there's not somebody like with a whip, like (laughs) do whatever, do whatever you want to do. Like I think about where I, like those are the questions I had five years ago. And now Mm -hmm. I'm the person answering the questions. Like, Oh, that's awesome. Like I, I feel like that's kind of the cool thing about running is that you don't need to be somebody that runs every day to sign up for a 5k. Like you just kind of have to sign up for it and put on your shoes and go. And yeah, and there's nothing like crossing a finish line, you know? No, absolutely. Yeah. Nothing like it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, 
everybody, please check out our Instagram. It's at Peculiar Stories and Far Out Tales. And our Facebook is the same. And be sure to check us out on Patreon. And our mm-hmm. Patreon name is what? Uh, Patreon.com slash P-S-A-F-O-T. You can also check us out on the web at www.peculiarstoriesandfaroutales.com. Thanks for joining us. All right. Talk to you all soon.